Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Well, it's good to see all of you. I was away with uh, some of our staff at a conference last week, and and, uh, today is a third message uh, in the series of messages that we're calling Par for the Course. And this series is where we're looking at how to gain uh, privilege and influence in life in the right way. Though These words par, this word par, you might know that as a golfing term. Uh, we're having some fun with some golf analogies. But for our purposes, here's what we mean when we say par. So you might want to jot this down. Par stands for privilege, accountability, and responsibility. Uh, you, it, it, these things in life uh, work together. There's a balance that is to be... Uh, uh, lived out when it comes to the par principle. So we're looking at this par principle. The more privilege you have in life, if you if you're to keep that privilege, you have to bear responsibility and you're accountable at that same level. And we're looking at how these things work and how you gain privilege in life, but in the right way, in God's way. It turns out that God has built this principle into life. We're looking specifically at a passage of scripture from Luke chapter 16. Uh, but you, you're going to see again this morning how this principle works. And whenever we experience more privilege, uh, we have to keep taking steps to bear more and more responsibility. And so we just wrapped up another election. And so there are people that will be taking office. And for those folks taking office, they'll be enjoying the privileges of that office. And whenever we see whether it's the top of an organization or the top of uh, the government or uh, just elite status people, we tend to get wrapped up in the perks of their privileges and that we can get caught up in the power that they must enjoy. But it turns out that God actually has built these principles into the way that life actually works. And so the last two weeks we've been looking at how does this par principle uh, work itself out. Week one for this series we looked at the short game and how in life, God has asked us to be faithful with the small details in life. It's the little things that are the proving ground and the testing ground for us to get more responsibility. You've got to be faithful with the little before you're trusted with, with much in life. And that's a test that we have to pass and keep passing, in fact. Last week, Bruce looked at how you have to be faithful with your finances. There's a test on our personal stewardship of money. How do I... How do I give? How do I save? How do I spend? How do I invest? There's a, there's a testing in this area before you gain more privilege in more important things beyond money. Today we're going to look at another test that we need to pass if we're going to gain privilege in the right way. And it has to do with how do I handle other people's responsibilities? How do I handle and steward other people's stuff? And this, this specifically will get at the issue of how do I support my leaders? And Jesus, he hits on this. Jesus isn't the only one to talk about this in the Bible. There's several places where this comes up. But today we're going to look at this, carrying another person's bag. In golf terms, who carries the bag? The caddy. Yeah, in professional golf, there's a caddy that carries the golfer's bag. Here's a picture of a caddy. It's easy to think that the, the caddy just just carries the bags and keeps track of the of the score, but that's not really all they do. A caddy has a pretty big responsibility on the golf course. They actually have to know the course inside and out. They actually study the course ahead of time, and they tell their golfer, with each ball that's hit, they tell their golfer how far they are away from, from the pin, from the hole. And then they begin to give recommendations to their golfer 
as to which club they should use for the next shot. They know their golfer very well, and uh, these these caddies work for the golfer. Uh, they they hand them a specific club. They know. Uh, how much confidence that golfer has in using that specific clubs. They know their strengths, their weaknesses, and so they can read uh, the game well, the course as well. They need to know this. And finally, uh, they need to know what makes their golfers tick. And so beyond just giving clubs and carrying bags, they actually provide motivation to their golfers. They give emotional support, in fact. One article stated that a caddy is sort of like a, a part-time psychologist and a part-time coach. Because <laughs> they're like rooting them on and they're telling them, you can do this, you've done this before, I've seen you, you know, you've hit this a million times. And so uh, there's high responsibilities, going back to the PAR principle, there's high responsibility and accountability associated with the privilege of being a caddy. Uh, now you might think, why would a caddy be a privileged role? Who would want to carry people's bags around? Well, Golfers, you know, if they're if they're playing well, their their caddy is doing well. There's a lot of privilege that comes with being the caddy to a successful golfer. In fact, the pay structure for a caddy uh, it, it goes up with the success of their golfer. So, for example, if 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 you're caddying for a professional golfer, 10% of what they earn in a tournament goes to the caddy. So, for a 10 million dollar tournament, which I don't follow golf, I'm not a golfer, but for a $10 million tournament, the golfer makes a million dollars. Hey. You know, you're like, all of a sudden it sounds, it sounds like maybe caddy is not a bad idea. Maybe I should look into this, you know. Around 8% if, if the golfer finishes in the top 10. The caddy still does pretty well. Around 6% for any other finish on the Pro Tour. The caddy gets rewarded for that. This is big money. In fact, the golfer, the caddy here with this professional... Uh, he quit his job as a middle school teacher in 2012, and it's estimated that he's made $5 million being a golf caddy since then. Wow. Now, enough about golf caddies, okay? Here's the reason we're talking about caddies. Because the caddy's job is to, is to carry their golfer's bag. It shows us an important part of the par principle. They're carrying the bag. Now, most people won't know the caddy's name. In fact, the caddy's job is to make the golf pro's name well-known. Their job is to make their golfer successful. They're to play a support role. And all of us here in this room are carrying people's bags. We're supporting other leaders in our lives. We're supporting people in different ways. We all have a responsibility to make someone else successful. And this is really one of the ways that God has wired this principle to work in life. And so let's look at this idea. Faithfulness within others. Another's possessions. Another's uh, privileges and other stewardship qualifies us for our own. And so we've been looking in the book of Luke, chapter 16. Luke is a biography of Jesus. It's about Jesus' life. And so after Jesus t- tells a, a short story, Jesus breaks something down for us in Luke 16, verses 10 through 12. And so, so far we've covered, covered verse 10, 11, here's verse 12. But the test so far, it's Luke 10, many before many. Luke 11, it's money before people. Jesus, Jesus says, if, if, you've not been faithfully with, if you've not been faithful with worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Things more important than, than just money. People. Influence in the lives of people. And then verse 12 this morning, thine before mine. Meaning, yours before mine. Your responsibilities. I need a steward. Those responsibilities of another before I get my own. Look at the verse, verse 12. If you've not been trustworthy with someone else's 
property. Who will give you property of your own? This question in this verse is so profound and yet so simple. It's critical. If you've not handled that which is another's, then why would anyone give you your own? At home, if you're renting someone else's house, don't think, man, when I get my own house, then I'll take care of it. Then I'll fix the things that broke that I caused. You know, it's not mine. I'll just... This has implications to renting this at work. When you're under the boss, the thinking can become, when I become the boss, then I'll really care. (laughs) And then I'll really give it my all. Until then, I'm just getting by. Just getting my paycheck. My paycheck. Just doing my time. Or at church, you know, when I really get the role that I want to serve in, then I'll really put my heart into it. This attitude can creep in. Jesus is saying, this is so critical. Stewarding that which is another's. This can subtly creep in. This verse implies that to be slack-handed with what belongs to another will really cut us off from experiencing the privilege of, of that stewardship in the future. And so, now this brings up a memory for me personally that I, that I still cringe about. It had to do with coaching. I was the assistant coach at, at high school here. When I first moved back to this area in 2007 to start this church, I was uh, coaching for a few years at King High as the, as the assistant wrestling coach. And the head coach there, he came from a, a very well-known legacy wrestling family here in California. Here's a picture of, of the whole family. This is the Kistler family. Uh, the girl on the bottom, the lady on the bottom, she's actually a famous ballerina in New York. So this whole family just has done really well in, in, in life. But the four brothers were famous wrestlers in the state in the 1970s here in Riverside at Notre Dame High School. Uh, but they're known as Riverside's first wrestling family. Like they are part of the Riverside Sport Hall of Fame, very well known. Amongst this group of brothers, they have 12 CIF championships, seven Masters championships, and four individual state wrestling championships. And so there's really no other family in California that has matched their accomplishments. And so three out of the four wrestled for Dan Gable in Iowa. And so just they got, you know, at the highest level coaching. Uh, the guy on the top right is Harlan. He's the head coach of, of King Wrestling. Uh, I, I was on his coaching uh, staff. But these guys, they live, they eat, they breathe, they dream wrestling. Every time you talk to them, you want to be talking about something else, and it somehow has a wrestling connotation. <laughs> kind of reminds me of 1984 in Russia. I was wrestling this Russian guy. and it kind of, you know, Anytime I want to talk to Harlan about anything, it always somehow becomes about wrestling. Uh, but he just loves the sport, and he drips wrestling, and he's good at it. Uh, he, he's a lawyer here in Riverside. But what I learned in, in 2007 was that his coaching style is kind of no-nonsense. Uh, the culture in the wrestling room with the high schoolers is just a serious culture with the high schoolers. Practices were intense. Uh, King High School consistently would put people in the state tournament for wrestling. And wrestling is a tough sport, but in a tough state. California has the highest population. So you have 39.5 million people living in California. So to be the top wrestler for a weight class is quite an accomplishment. The next most populated state is Texas at like 28 million. And it goes down from there. And so it's it's a tough sport to to do well in wrestling. Uh, But I could tell from the start that his personality 
and drive and coaching style were very different than mine. Um, I'm a lot more casual. And, and so I tried to, to fit into his program. I tried to pay attention uh, over the first you know, several weeks of, of coaching with them. I tried to really be a help. Uh, but one day, uh, within probably my first month, uh, I, I really dropped the ball. And what happened was it was a rainy day, and Coach Kistler didn't show up. And I was just, I was stretching out, wrestlers are there, everyone's just kind of goofing around. Practice time should be starting, no coach. I'm like, man. There's a few other assistant coaches like myself, but I was the oldest, and so I, I realized I should probably get things started, but it's probably like 10 minutes after practice should be starting. And the coach isn't there, so guys are just fooling around, screwing around, and all right, guys, let's stretch out. Maybe 50, 60% of the guys listen to what I said. And uh, started stretching out. A bunch of the other guys just started goofing off. Some guys were out playing in the rain, sliding down the banister. Well, coach rolls up. And uh, I thought he was going to be so excited to see, you know, that I was getting everyone ready and stretched out. But nope. <laughs> Instead, everyone got lit up by the coach, including me. And... And uh, he, he shows up, and everyone's goofing around outside, and he just came in, and he blasted everyone, including the staff. And so I called him up the next day because I thought, man, you can't talk to me that way. So I called him up, and we had a very informative talk. <laughs> he says, you know, I, I respect that, Josh. And we're good friends to this day, and, and my boys wrestle over there. And, and he says, you know, you want to lead on this team? Then you need to follow my lead. Yep. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. He says, you know, I showed up and there was clearly no leader in that room. And he was absolutely right. You know what I did? I quickly changed my attitude. I apologized. I, I changed my approach and I, I changed my style to fit his program with that high school break. It's It's his program. See, the, the point here is before you lead, you have to follow and support your leader aggressively. You've actually got to love what they love. If you want to pass this test. Now, here are three common areas that the Bible gives us guidance. And I would say keep an eye on all three of these. The first is, is in business. We get some guidance from uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 22 through 24. You can also find guidance in Ephesians 6 on the way to work. Um, you can fill in whatever type of work you're involved in if you don't work for a business. But at work, it's easy to go a couple of different ways. At work, one way is to just be uh, just trying to get just enough to get by on the job. Do the bare minimum. That's one extreme. I'm just going to get my job done. Just do bare minimum. The other extreme is to do more than they're asking you to do. Take control of more responsibility than you've been given, which isn't really helpful either. It's going beyond your stewardship. So take a look at how the Bible encourages us to work. Colossians 3, verse 22 through 24. Slaves, obey your earthly masters. So this is written to, to people who had slaves. There was slaves and masters. And so for us, we could say it's like employees to your bosses. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. And do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart. And reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. God calls his followers to work to a different standard. 
And if we're going to be faithful with another person's business, then we need to do that in at least three ways. Number one, obey our bosses. Really simply obey them. We need to find out what we can do to make our bosses successful. How do I make the leader successful or my supervisor successful? How do they like me to do things? Well, am I, am I making it a joy for them to lead me? Hebrews thirteen seventeen gets at the issue of making it a joy for our leaders. Uh, work, secondly, work as if the Lord is, is, is your boss. Paul actually says, there, there's a boss that's above your earthly boss. It's the Lord. You're not working just for them. You're working for Him. And we need to give our full effort at work for our ultimate boss, God. And then trust that God will reward us, reward us for our work. What we're really seeing in Luke and in Colossians is saying that the God who created this whole universe is in tune with the way that we handle our earthly stewardships. He's paying attention. And if we handle it well, then He rewards. Now, how hard would we work if we really believed that God was paying attention? Was there supervising us as our boss? I mean, that's the perspective that would make us incredible employees if we kept that in mind. Or incredible in following those who lead us. Here's another area. The area of, of property. Being faithful in someone else's with someone else's property. This is actually from Luke sixteen twelve, most literally, Jesus says, if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Think about the many ways that we've been entrusted with with property, with someone else's stuff. Maybe you're renting a house, maybe you borrowed some tools, you borrowed a car. As a church You know, this is not our building. The city of Riverside owns this building. We've occupied this place for over 10 years now. We got to move in here a few weeks after the doors were opened. But if we someday want to own our own building, then we have to handle the property of another's well. And that will determine whether or not we'll own our own. This principle really impacts our actions. We're we're to leave things better than when we receive them. When we first started meeting here, the very first Sunday, we have all of our equipment in these large rolling um, black cases, these portable cases, and they, they fit into a, a large trailer that we own. These chairs are pretty much the only thing that are here in this room. Well, the very first week, uh, one, of our, one of our cases uh, clipped, I think, that light right over there, and it shattered the light and the valance right off the wall our very first week. Talk about trying to make a good impression on the city and the building. It cracked this thing. It was totally accidental. I mean, the case is like this much, you know, like this much. Uh, it only like nicks it by about an inch. But it'll shatter that thing. These cases are really heavy. So we learned a valuable lesson about where we should put those cases and how to be careful. But again, the question is, well, what do we do with that? Well, we got to take responsibility. It was hard for us to go to the director and say, hey, this isn't really going to be our normal practice where we're going to break something every week. And in fact, very few things have been broken, but when we do, we take responsibility. Um, we pay for it. There's an interesting story. There was a football game recently in Oklahoma. OU football team played uh, the Army football team. And it went into overtime, and OU defeated the Army football team but the story is that the the army left the locker room spotless just after they lost to OU. And there was a Twitter post, and it basically the post said, leave it how you found it. Thanks for the hospitality. Basically, they were hosted by OU. And they, they recognized this is not our 
locker room. We need to take care of it. We just lost to this team. We're going to take care of it. And there was a guy here first service that's from the Army. He said, that's the way we do it. <laughs> that's our reputation. That's what we learn. That's our training. Now, it may seem small because we borrow things all the time, whether from one another or family members, cars, tools. When we break things, I mean, there's a test here. It might seem small, but the way we handle property will have a direct impact on our lives in the future. Now, here's another area to be faithful. It's the area of reputation. You're stewarding someone else's reputation in their organization. This is their company. This is their business. This is their ministry. This is, this is their stuff. This is their house. So the way we use our words has an impact on our life. When we're carrying someone's bag, we feel like, man, I really like my reputation to go up. But what we say about others will come, will come back to us. It's amazing how if we have a pattern of being critical of our bosses, it's amazing how that comes back around as people are critical about us. Take a look at what Proverbs 27 verse 2 says. Let another praise you, not your own mouth, someone else and not your own lips. There's a responsibility here to build up other people's reputation. Not with flattery. What we're not saying is just go around flattering your bosses. But with real encouragement based on the truth, based on facts. And as you build others' reputations up, yours increases. As you talk well of others, they will talk well of you. And that, that's how this works. Now, there's, with all three of these areas, or this whole area in general, there's a, there's a natural fear that creeps in. And the fear is this. How will I ever arrive at my goals if I'm just carrying other people's bags in life and playing a support role? Who's going to look out for my interests? Who's going to look out for my goals? And, and, and if you're wrestling with that, that's the natural fear. And what it does, it puts into real focus this issue. You know, how will I not get ripped off in the end? This is really a matter of trusting God and fearing Him. Do you trust God? Do you, do you really fear Him? To fear God means you're convinced that God is real. He's at work in ways we can't see, he's actually at work through the leaders he's placed over us. And if we take him seriously, we, we, we take his command seriously in these areas. And then we trust him, meaning that we're relying on him to come through in our own life. And so this area requires this, that we trust God with our own success. While we're carrying people's bags in life, when we're, when we're essentially playing support roles, which we all find ourselves somewhere playing a supporting role in our life. We trust God with our own success as I help others succeed with their goals and their interests. Can you trust God like that? Are you trusting God in these ways? We're seeing in the Bible a series of tests that are given by God that we have to pass before He gives us more privilege in life. All of us want, I mean, most of us, I would say, want the privileges in life. These are the ways, these are the steps that God leads us through. If you're stuck and you feel like right now, I'm just not advancing in life, don't force it. Don't demand it or don't try to push your way forward and go around these tests. There's no shortcut to privilege. These tests, God, these are God's tests to, to get privileged in the proper way. In fact, here's another thing. If we don't pass this test, then we get to retake it <laughs> again and again and again. In fact, you may have set the ceiling on your growth and your advancement in life from being a poor follower. And if that's the case, then the ceiling 
comes whenever we disregard the wishes, the preferences of our leaders. Now, sometimes people in life get illegitimate privilege in life. But they haven't proven faithful. For example, some people are born into privilege. They're born into a privileged family. And sometimes what happens is they squander the wealth that they've been given and they disgrace their families and they lose that privilege. It kind of slips through their hands. Some people maneuver and lie to gain privilege out of order. There was a dentist, in fact, that is in prison now in Georgia. I don't know if you read about this, but dentist was... She was posing as a licensed dentist for six years. She's working on teeth. Can you imagine? She's drilling in people's mouths. She's giving out prescriptions, totally violating the law, breaking trust, and causing medical harm, serious medical harm for some people. And she did that over a six-year span. She wasn't bearing the responsibility. Finally, it caught up with her. If we gain privileges illegitimately just trying to jump for privilege without passing these tests, eventually what happens is our lack of proof will come to light and it will cause serious damage and all sorts of consequences. So gaining privileges illegitimately, according to the Bible, kicks into motion a process of judgment. God gets involved. For Christ followers, He certainly brings a cycle of judgment that will eventually strike. And so maybe right now you're trying to recover from... Something like this. Maybe you're paying a price on some level because you've tried to gain privilege apart from God's test of faithfulness and now you're in pain. These tests come up across the board in life. Or maybe right now you're even in the splatter circle of someone close to you who tried to take privilege outside of responsibility and and it's impacting you. So just understand, God can help you. God can help you and other people rebuild. But it comes... Through faithfulness, being faithful, first in the little things, then with our resources, and then this area of with other people's property, possessions, stuff, reputation. Uh, think through some different areas as we as we wrap up. On the back side here, you'll see there's some ways to get real specific. Who am I following? Maybe write down the names of your leaders. Who are those leaders in your life? Who are you following currently? It's really important to get specific, I'd say. And so, who? what are their names? And then, what is my role? And this gets real challenging. What's the next goal? What's the next objective that I can help that leader reach? That's not something we get that excited about, huh? <laughs> what am I renting? What am I borrowing? What, what, how have I cared for other people's stuff? All of this may just seem totally unnecessary, but Jesus' words here really... Matter. We operate with this principle. As we, as we raise up leaders in this church, we, we always ask, before we put a new leader in any area of church life, we always ask their previous leaders, how did they follow you? Did they make it a joy for you? Was it about, did they make it about themselves, or did they really put the goals and interests of you and the team mission ahead of their own? And we wait to give more privilege in leadership and influence until people have passed this test because it's a, steward, it's a core stewardship issue. Something else to consider here is this, is that stewardship means you've taken a ball from someone else. You've, they've given you the ball. You're handling this responsibility. And they're counting on you to not drop the ball. But if you drop the ball, they actually experience the consequences of that. They, they, you, you will as well. But so, 
they pay they pay a price. Your leaders pay a price when they've handed you a stewardship and it's it's been neglected or or we've we've not cared for it. And so that just adds another dimension in my mind of just why this is so important. Um, there's a ripple effect in this area. So um, hope this has been helpful for you as you're considering passing these tests of faithfulness. Here's a few next steps to consider. Uh, spend some focused time evaluating my roles. Consider how to better support my leaders. Take account of my stewardship of other people's possessions. Memorizing Luke 16:12. I just encourage you to work through that backside of the of the listening guide and, and get real personal and, and ask God to clarify areas where you can apply this uh, this week. So let, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for uh, allowing us to see this principle in action. In real life, Lord, this, as Jesus spoke about this, this was true then, it's true now. There's no way around proving faithful by supporting our leaders well. Lord, it's, it's difficult, it's challenging when we feel like we're waiting, uh, to gain more privilege and influence in life. But Lord, you have provided these tests for protection, for training, for growth, for refining. Uh, for correcting, Lord, so that when we gain more, uh, we have a base that's established that you have uh, helped solidify, Lord, uh, that we can stand strong in the years to come. Lord, I pray for those that are in their training years, for the for those that are in their 20s here, that are learning uh, how to manage more and more and more. I pray that you would uh, give insight, Lord. I pray that this, for all of us in this room, would be an opportunity to discuss this further as we leave this place, Lord. Help us to wrestle through this uh, with you first and then talk about that and encourage one another, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's Word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.